everybody, my name is Beth and I work for We Are Tier Fund. So this is the youth branch of Tier Fund. For those of you who haven't heard of Tier Fund before, we are a Christian international development charity and we work in 50 countries across the world um, to help communities lift themselves out of poverty. We believe that poverty is not God's plan, um, but you are, we, his church, are. And one of our biggest um, priorities at Tier Fund is taking action on climate change. Now, 2021 is like a massive year um, for thinking about climate change. So a couple of weeks ago, um, there was the G7 conference in Cornwall. And coming up in November in Glasgow, there is COP26. So G7, it stands for Group of Seven. So it's seven countries from across the world. Um, the world leaders came together in Cornwall. So there was the UK, US, Japan, Canada, Italy, France and Germany. Um, and they were all meeting together to discuss our recovery post-COVID, including taking action on climate change. And then COP26, this stands for Conference of Parties, and it's world leaders coming together to discuss climate change. So 2021 is such a significant year in thinking about climate change. It seems time for us to think about climate change as a church and as people of God and what we should be doing as Christians. So that's what we're going to be thinking a little bit about today. So first, I'd like to tell you a story about a lady called Orbisa. So Obisa is a 35-year-old mother and she lives in Ethiopia and she rears livestock as part of her way of making money and she has a little small holding and she used to be able to go down to the stream five minutes away to collect water um, to be able to kind of, um, for her family to drink, to water her crops and things like that. Um, but because of climate change, it's changed the rainfall patterns and they haven't had rain for four to five months. Um, so she has to walk sometimes up to 10 hours a day uh, to fetch water for her family. And she said to us at Tierfund, we used to get rain every four to five months. The area was very green and fertile, but it hasn't rained for six months. I don't know when it will rain next. I feel worried whenever I think about the future. To us, this is a climate emergency. This is what a climate emergency looks like. Um, it's often the world's poorest communities that are worst affected by climate change, but who are also the least able to adapt and have also contributed the least as well. So this is a massive injustice. And today, that's what I wanted us to think about. I wanted us to think about biblical justice and climate justice. And I actually, so I was trying to think of a passage that we could focus on um, in this talk today. And I found it really hard to pick a passage because actually we see so many passages that talk about justice um, across the Bible. And we see so many incredible individuals who stand up for justice, stand up for those who are victims um, of oppression or victims of injustice. So instead of picking one passage, I just thought I would talk about a lot. <laughs> so sorry about that. But um, I just thought I'd go through a few um, today. So Micah 6.8 um, says, The Lord has told us what is good. What he requires of us is this, to do what is just, to show constant love, and to live in humble fellowship with our God. Isaiah 1.17 says, Learn to do right, seek justice, and defend the oppressed. 
And Nehemiah is an incredible example of someone um, who advocates um, for those who are poor and vulnerable. So he calls out the Jewish nobles and officials who are charging extortionate interest rates um, to their fellow Jews, which is causing them to be pushed back into poverty. And the whole book of Amos um, recounts Amos travelling to Israel, where he sees um, huge wealth, but alongside huge um, poverty and huge injustices. And the whole book kind of climaxes in Amos 5, um, and it kind of talks about where God is saying that he, he can hear their worship, he can see their offerings, but they don't mean anything to him because of the injustice that he sees around them. And in verse 24 it says... But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. So we see that justice is kind of throughout the whole Bible. And what I really wanted to show you tonight, there's this thing called the Justice Bible. And so it's kind of like the Bible where um, some Jesus' words are written in red. So it's a little bit like that. But all of the passages about justice are highlighted in orange. And what I was hoping to do was be able to kind of flick through um, and show you all um, how much we see justice as like a timeline throughout the Bible. But it didn't arrive in time, so you'll just have to take my word for it. But I have got a little video now um, that we're just going to see that kind of talks about God's heart for justice. And I think as well, when we talk about justice in um, English language, we often think about it as that someone's done something wrong and then they receive um, kind of a punishment on level with their wrongdoing. But actually in the Bible, justice is deeper than this. It's about kind of restoring broken relationships. It's like a restorative justice. Um, And this video is just going to demonstrate it now. If you were a praying mantis, it would be socially acceptable to devour your mate. And if you're a honey badger, you have no regard for other animals. You don't care. If you're a panda with twins, it's normal to abandon one to take care of the other. But if humans do any of these things, we would call it wrong, unfair, or unjust. Yeah, why is that? Why do humans care so much about justice? Well, the Bible has a fascinating response to that question. On page one, humans are set apart from all other creatures as the image of God. Yeah, God's representatives who rule the world by his definition of good and evil. And this identity, it's the bedrock of the Bible's view of justice. All humans are equal before God and have the right to be treated with dignity and fairness no matter who you are. And that would be nice if we all did that. But we know how the world really works. And the Bible addresses that too. It shows how we are constantly redefining good and evil to our own advantage at the expense of others. Yeah, self-preservation. And the weaker someone is, the easier it is to take advantage of them. And so in the biblical story, we see this happening on a personal level, but also in families and then in communities and in whole civilizations that create injustice, especially towards the vulnerable. But the story doesn't end there. Out of this whole mess, God chose a man named Abraham to start a new kind of family. Specifically, Abraham was to teach his family to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Yeah, doing righteousness, that's a Bible word I don't really use. But what comes to mind is being a good person. But what does that even mean, being good? 
The biblical Hebrew word for righteousness is tzedakah, and it's more specific. It's an ethical standard that refers to right relationships between people. It's about treating others as the image of God. With the God-given dignity they deserve. And this word justice, it's the Hebrew word mishpat. It can refer to retributive justice. Like if I steal something, I pay the consequences. Exactly. Yet most often in the Bible, mishpat refers to restorative justice. It means going a step further, actually seeking out vulnerable people who are being taken advantage of and helping them. Yeah, some people call this charity. But mishpat involves way more. It means taking steps to advocate for the vulnerable and changing social structures to prevent injustice. So justice and righteousness are about a radical, selfless way of life. Yeah, and you find this idea all over the Bible. Like here in the book of Proverbs, what does it mean to bring about just righteousness? Open your mouth for those who can't speak for themselves. And what do these words mean for the prophets like Jeremiah? Rescue the disadvantaged and don't tolerate oppression or violence against the immigrant, the orphan, and the widow. And like here, look in the book of Psalms. The Lord God upholds justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry, and sets the prisoner free. But he thwarts the way of the wicked. Whoa, he thwarts the wicked? Yeah, in Hebrew, the word wicked is rasha. It means guilty or in the wrong. It refers to someone who mistreats another human, ignoring their dignity as an image of God. So justice and righteousness is a big deal to God. Yes, it's what Abraham's family, the Israelites, were to be all about. They ended up as immigrant slaves being oppressed unjustly in Egypt. And so God confronted Egypt's evil, declaring them to be rasha, guilty of injustice. And so he rescued Israel. But the tragic irony of the Old Testament story is that these redeemed people went on to commit the same acts of injustice against the vulnerable. And so God sent prophets who declared Israel guilty. But they weren't the only ones. There's injustice everywhere. Yeah, some people actively perpetrate injustice. Others receive benefits or privileges from unjust social structures they take for granted. And sadly, history has shown that when the oppressed gain power, they often become oppressors themselves. So we all participate in injustice, actively or passively, even unintentionally. We're all the guilty ones. And so this is the surprising message of the biblical story. God's response to humanity's legacy of injustice is to give us a gift, the life of Jesus. He did righteousness and justice, and yet he died on behalf of the guilty. But then God declared Jesus to be the righteous one when he rose from the dead. And so now Jesus offers his life to the guilty so that they too can be declared righteous before God, not because of anything they've done, but because of what Jesus did for them. The earliest followers of Jesus experienced this righteousness from God, not just as a new status, but as a power that changed their lives and compelled them to act in surprising new ways. Yeah, if God declared someone righteous when they didn't deserve it, the only reasonable response is to go and seek righteousness and justice for others. This is a radical way of life, and it's not always convenient or easy. It's courageously making other people's problems my problems. This is what Jesus meant by loving your neighbor as yourself. It's about a lifetime commitment fueled by the words of the ancient prophet Micah. God has told you, humans, what is good and what the Lord requires of you is to do justice, to love mercy, 
and to walk humbly with your God. So how does all this link in um, with the climate stuff and with Orbisa that I was mentioning at the start? So at Tearfund, we're passionate about tackling the root causes of injustices, tackling the root causes um, of issues and working to restore broken relationships. So that's, that includes our broken relationship with creation. So I'll just tell you a little bit of a story about a village in a mountain just to illustrate this a little bit. So in this village, there was a road that went around the mountain and uh, it was quite a dangerous road. People often had accidents on this road and the villagers wanted to do something about it. So they clubbed together and they bought an ambulance. So then when people had accidents, they were able to go and help them. They were able to go and um, go to these people's aid when they needed it. And they were able to save some people, which was brilliant. But then someone came to the village and said, why don't you um, club together to, buy, uh, to pay for a, a better road so that the accidents would stop happening in the first place? And this is what we at Tearfund are trying to do. We're trying to tackle the root causes of issues. And this involves taking action on climate change because climate change is the root cause that's pushing people like Obisa um, back into poverty. So if you care about um, women's rights, gender equality, if you care about racial justice, um, human trafficking, um, refugee rights, then tackling climate change is essential because it's a root cause that is causing so many of these um, injustices to become worse. So women and children are often um, disproportionately affected by climate change. They're often the ones that have to travel long distances to fetch water and all the vulnerabilities that are associated with that. Um, people of colour are also disproportionately impacted by climate change. So this is why it's a significant issue that we um, at Tear Fund are tackling. So a little bit of science now. Um, so right now um, we're at 1.2 degrees C warming, so pre-industrial levels. If we carry on the way that we're doing, if the world carries on the way it is, we're going to see um, a three degree warming by 2100 and that could see catastrophic impacts I mean we're already seeing that already with families like Obisa and I heard something really shocking recently the World Bank are estimating that um, 132 million people risk being pushed into poverty because of climate change by 2030 that's not even that far away that's like the end of this decade so we really need to take urgent action now and we know, um, as God's people, that we're called um, to be God's hands and feet on this earth. We're called to be salt and light um, and bring hope to people like Obisa. So I'd like to invite you to take action um, in three ways today. So the first way, I would love for you to take a stand with us and sign our open letter. So this open letter has been developed by a group of young Christians in Cornwall. Um, and we're going to be presenting it at COP26, um, so when the world leaders meet to talk about climate change. And we want to get as many signatures as we can to show that Christians across the UK are passionate about taking action on climate change and caring for our global neighbours, um, like Orbisa. So we're asking world leaders to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees C. Um, because beyond that, we'll see things like droughts lasting twice as long, millions of people struggling to get water. 
So there should be a QR code um, coming up on the screen now. Um, and I'm sure someone will post a link in the chat as well, um, a link to this campaign. So please do sign it, share it with your friends, um, share it with your families, um, so we can get as many um, voices on this um, open letter as possible. And I know it can feel difficult sometimes, like I've often felt powerless um, in the face of issues like this. It's kind of like, oh, another petition, what, what can this possibly do? Um, but together our voices can bring change. Um, I don't know if you remember in 2017, um, David Attenborough released his Blue Planet 2 series and he showed the damage that plastic pollution had on marine life. And it created like a massive movement of people um, who kind of said, no, we don't want we don't want to see this anymore. And I, I've, I haven't seen a plastic straw for ages. So together, our voices can have power and they can make a difference. So please do um, get involved in our campaign um, and add your voice to that. Um, that would be great. And then I would love to invite you to donate financially to Tearfund's work as well. So Tearfund are working alongside families like Orbisas um, who are being already being impacted by climate change. So this could be through um, teaching farming techniques um, to help people adapt to the changing weather patterns. It could be through providing um, wells and taps so that people don't have to travel um, as far to collect water. So £12 a month would be able to provide a family like Obisa with clean, safe um, and easily accessible drinking water. And I know that some of you out there already support Tear Fund and I just wanted to say thank you so much. Um, we really appreciate your support and it's helped to transform lives. And there's someone called Rachel out there as well. She's a new student with us. Hi, if you're watching, Rachel. Um, she's fundraising for Tear Fund at the moment as well. So if you wanted to support her, her Just Giving link is um, in the newsletter that Hannah sends out. And then I'd love to ask you to pray as well. Um, as I said, 2021 is such a massive year um, for thinking about climate change with COP26 coming up. And our prayers make such a difference. Sadly, the G7 conference a couple of weeks ago was a little bit disappointing. Um, so we did see world leaders commit um, to spending $100 billion um, to countries worst affected by climate change, such as Ethiopia, where Obisa lives. But this was actually a commitment that was pledged 10 years ago, and we haven't seen um, kind of action since. So please do pray um, that we'll see... Um, concrete actions come away from COP26. Ask that God would give these world leaders wisdom um, and kind of vision as they have their discussions about climate change and that we would see um, real actions taken for um, those who are most vulnerable and most impacted by climate change. And then please pray for Orbisa and families like her as well that are already um, experiencing the impacts of climate change. Um, ask that God would be their provider. Um, at this time. So I just wanted to kind of finish and say, yeah, I, it, it's just so hard sometimes, isn't it, when you face global issues like climate change, it, it's easy to feel um, powerless and what difference can my actions make. I, I know I can often feel um, kind of guilty or even tempted to kind of turn away. Well, not even tempted, sometimes you just do become desensitised to the issue. But I often try to tell myself and I guess just want to encourage you tonight um, to remember that we have a God that's so much bigger um, than these issues and he can do so much more than we could ask or ever imagine. And he calls us um, as his followers to stand up for justice. Um, 
And we aren't without hope um, as well. One of my favourite passages in the Bible is Colossians 1, 15 to 23. Um, and I'm just going to read a little bit of it um, as we finish. So it says, The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all things, sorry, pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And I, I just love this passage because it talks about how God is reconciling all things um, to himself. So we see the scope of Jesus' death. Um, he is reconciling all things um, that sin has broken. Um, so that includes the broken relationships that we have with God, but it also includes the broken relationships with creation. So take heart, God is restoring creation and we can join in in that work. So let me just pray um, as we finish. Father God, we thank you that you are a God of justice. Thank you that you know Orbisa and her family and all those already impacted by climate change. Jesus, we are sorry for the ways we've damaged your creation. Help us to pray, help us to use our voices and help us to make changes on our own lives to love our global neighbours well. Holy Spirit, stir the hearts of our government, guide them in their decision-making and inspire them to protect the most vulnerable. Amen. <laughs>